and also exercises around strengthening the will so that our will force uh, comes out of what we choose and not is not just driven by our desires and passions or or even driven by what society thinks we should do but that our will really comes from us Hey legends, welcome to Lion Fury. I'm Danny Thomas, an Australian artist based in Germany. On this show I share conversations with furiously courageous guests from across the globe. On this episode I'm joined by relationship coach and fellow Aussie Michael Young. Mick believes a relationship between two people is the smallest community. When peace and harmony can flow between two people who were previously in pain, it can have massive benefits for children, wider family, friendship groups, work colleagues, and ultimately the whole community through the couple's daily interactions. Ultimately, the work can have a profound effect on our whole society. Listen in as I attempt to dive deep into the tricky subject of relationships. Mick also shares his journey and advises me on how to deal with the supermarket checkout. If you've listened to the show before, you know this is one of my biggest challenges. Enjoy the ride, guys. See you on the other side. I'm absolutely no expert on the relationship stuff, uh, learning by doing, but um, what I... What, what I, yeah, that's all of us, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, what I would say from what I've read about what you're doing, without being an expert, as I say, I guess a lot of this stuff comes from doing the self-work and then being able to be in a, a position where you can truly share a life with someone else. That's exactly right. It all comes down to to the self in the end and yeah I think there's two sides to it we can I mean you can spend your whole life developing yourself and still not feel ready to enter a relationship <laughs> but that's really not not real realistic in a lot of ways and it's actually in relationship that we discover so much about ourselves the things we like about ourselves our strengths but also our weaknesses you know there's there's pretty much no other area in life which can can uh, really trigger us so much or bring so many problems to the surface that we've got in our own personalities as a relationship. You know, it's I, I, I call it pretty much the most intense form of personal development training on the planet. Absolutely. It's, it's like we hold a mirror. We hold a mirror up to one another. That's exactly right, and it, and it's just a, a lifelong journey. You know, getting to know yourself is is a whole lifelong journey, and I really think that if two people can come together who really who can really see that big picture and and know that it's actually about their own growth in a lot of ways, and that it's not just about them and themselves and and the partner. It's actually about the the whole of their community or the whole of their society and how what they do um, what they do to work on themselves with each other has a massive impact on you know their children the family members around them the friendship groups and the wider community it's a 
it's much bigger than just the two people. No, so so you've always been inclined and, and drawn to the, the self-development side of things. I have, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can encapsulate it. When I, when I was about 19, um, living in a country town in Australia, um, actually 18, I was living in a country town in Australia and then I moved to Melbourne to study music. And um, basically I was, I was very dissatisfied with life at that time around 19 I was um, I was studying music but not really enjoying it not really finding my way socially connecting with people and I, would, I, I don't know people didn't talk about depression as much at that time but I, I probably looking back would say I probably was a bit depressed um, and what happened then was just a series of meetings and a series of important books that came into my life. So I had a neighbour who was a police officer and he'd been in a, a bad accident and uh, while on duty and become a paraplegic. And we became really good friends and he just had this amazing bookshelf with all this spiritual stuff, you know, stuff from different traditions, um, personal development books, and he had a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor and also a psychiatrist. And something just sort of flipped in my mind about, you know, what were, I just started asking what was life about, what's the purpose of it, what's the meaning of it, you know. And from that point on, I just read and read and read and read and read. It didn't necessarily make me that much happier at the time. <laughs> Um, and I started to explore lots of different spiritual traditions and, you know, I, a part of me I think really wanted to just go and live in a cave that was sort of <laughs> which is very different from me being in a relationship. But, um, yeah, just a bit of a journey through different traditions. So I got right into Buddhism for a while. I studied Judaism for quite a time when I was working in a, in a kosher hotel. Um, and at one time even thought about going to live on an ashram, the particular guru, you know, as you do sort of shopping around in the spiritual supermarket, as it were. Um, and then came across a book which was by Rudolf Steiner, the Austrian philosopher. You know, you've probably heard of Steiner schools, mm. biodynamic agriculture, anthroposophical medicine, all these different fields which he inspired. And the book was sort of like a self-development, spiritual development book, really, with specific exercises to do. And it was written in such a logical, scientific way that it really just set me on this journey of um, meditation and concentration practices, which I've been doing, you know, on and off now for 20-odd years. So that was really the start. And then along the way, I mean, I've always, Steiner is sort of my, the core thing. But along the way, I've learned a lot, especially from the American personal development world, which I had a lot of resistance to in the beginning. But, um, you know, people like Tony Robbins and uh, Jim Rowan and people like that, where I think it's really, it's just hardcore uh, practical philosophy in a way, practical psychology and philosophy, bringing, bringing these concepts and ideas in, right into your daily life, right into your work, into your relationships how you deal with people. And so that's been a big thing. And I did, I've done a lot of, um, you know, those 
those big American style seminars where you go and there's the loud music and you're jumping up and down. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you've been, you've been in person to those. Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. So I've got, I feel like I've got the sort of two sides. There's the sort of the deep spiritual aspect, which is not for everyone. And I don't ever, I don't ever, you know, bring that up with people if they don't want to go there. It's totally up, up to the individual. And, and then the really practical day-to-day um, Tony Robbins kind of way of thinking. So you feel that you got on top of you on top of that depression pretty quick by the sounds of it, or it's something that you've always had to manage. I guess what happened a bit later on was I, I developed what in Australia they call chronic fatigue syndrome. Oh, really? In England, in England it's they call it ME, and that was a long thing that kind of went along with this whole journey of personal development, and I almost felt like. I had to do the personal development to get through that or mm. to build to build the, the self-worth and the strength to be able to cope with that. And then actually there was this very short course which I did over a weekend called The Lightning Process. I don't know if you've heard of it. I haven't, um, no. It's a great thing for your listeners to know about because many, many people overcome chronic fatigue very, very quickly doing this um, this course, which is it's, it's science-based. It's... Um, um, comes out of the UK. Yeah, it's called the lightning process if anyone wants to look it up. But I overcame chronic fatigue and I know lots of other people have as well. That changed everything, actually. So, you know, there's more parts to the story. But I was a musician <laughs> a musician as well all, the, all through that time, singer-songwriter and touring and recording um, and always struggling with this health thing. And then I was sort of at the stage where my music career hadn't taken off and had a couple, had two children by that point. And it was a bit like, okay, what am I going to do next? And I was teaching music at the same time. And then this thing happened with overcoming chronic fatigue. And then this dream, which I'd always had to go to Germany and, uh, and study the spiritual side of things really intensely. My health was much better all of a sudden. And so that's what we did. We actually sold up in Australia my wife and I and the kids and moved to Hamburg. That's when I, where I met you. <laughs> Two people is the smallest community, isn't it? You know, everything that happens in the world, in a sense, happens between two people. And if two people can come together and, and commit to, you know, trying to heal what's there, in themselves and in each other, and so even in the smallest homeopathic way, that has massive knock-on effects. You know, if you look at the outcomes for um, when couples break up with families, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not making any negative um, judgments about that whatsoever. It's a normal thing. That's just, it's so difficult. It's so difficult to be in relationship. Mm. It really, really is. And and. Even breakups can be managed really, really well, you know, and can actually have massive positive effects. Mm. So there's no negative judgment there at all. But when it doesn't go well in that way, and when it doesn't go well when the people stay together as well, that can also have massive knock-on, negative knock-on effects for children, wider family, and ultimately community and society as a whole. So that's really why I chose to go in the relationship direction is that, um, I've I've just seen how how big an impact it has. I just think about um, 
in my own, my own life, I've been extremely lucky because my my wife, we have a very similar way of looking at the world. Um, we think similar things about a lot of different topics. We we get along very well. We still talk for hours and hours and hours, and we've been together. Uh, it'll be 20 years we've been together coming up this New Year's Eve. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, so we got together New Year's Eve 2000, like the year 2000. Oh, crazy. wow. Anyway, <laughs> that's another story. But, yeah, um, and so we've got all this in common. Things work well as a relationship. Not to say we haven't had challenges because absolutely we have. But even though we've got these similar worldviews and ways of thinking, it's still a massive challenge. It's still a massive challenge. Even when you think you've got it, you know, in inverted commas, you've got it all right. It's it's still a massive challenge. There's so many factors, and I can only draw from my own experience um, in terms of being in a relationship that was not working, but also being very stubborn and having a whole heap of circumstances around it that made me hold on to it as, as tightly as possible and, and made me determined not to let it fall apart even though it was clearly it it was clearly very very flawed but i have i just remember you know when i was in that you know that some of the justifications that i would kind of convince myself of but in that case we were just definitely not good together Different people bring out different parts of us too. That's the other thing to realise. You know, in one relationship, there's a side of us that comes out um, that doesn't come out in a different relationship, or and, but there's a whole new bit there that we didn't realise was there. Yeah, it's you know? amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. It is. <laughs> yeah, so those different shades of, of our characters and personalities and light and dark elements that come out um, in different relationships and relationships of different kinds, whether they're professional or personal or... Yeah, it's almost like actually our our individuality in a way, our, our self, this is a hard concept to get, but I, I think it's true. Our self in a way lives in other people and it's not until those other people are there that we see these parts of ourselves. It's almost like... I wouldn't say there's nothing inside us, <laughs> but if we look back at if we look back at our lives, back right back to childhood, all the parts of ourselves almost seem to be given to us by others in a lot of ways. Mm. It's a hard concept to get. But, yeah, you know, another way to put it is like you say, you different people mirror different things in you. It's as simple as that. It, it, you know, what was when I was when I was in a in a. A very testing relationship the, the intuition was ringing loudly but that that as i say that stubborn part of me was quieting the intuition how much do you think the intuitive radar comes into play in terms of dealing with people and relationships oh it's 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 massive yeah i can relate to that myself i started i started journaling when i was around about 19 as well and um was in a relationship at the time and knew it wasn't really right for me and wasn't working for me or, or, the, or my partner. And it was only through journaling 
and seeing it, writing the same thing over and over and over again that I realised actually I've got to make a decision and it's, it's not right for me and I need to get out for everyone's benefit. And that's, I think that's, for me, journaling, writing things down and seeing it clearly on paper, that's where the intuition shows itself most um, clearly for me. Also meditation as well. Often I'll just be in meditation and something will just pop up really strongly, a really strong thought or idea that just says, you know, pay attention to this. So yeah. you know, I think it's huge intuition. And when we when we don't listen to it and we, when we you know, squash it down or push it away or distract ourselves with, you know, YouTube videos or alcohol or whatever, then, um, then it's basically putting off the inevitable and it'll come to bite us in the end, those those intuition things that we're not listening to. They will find us, but they often, if we leave it too long, they find us in a in an even more dangerous way. As you said, with the journaling, it made you realise objectively, you just saw that you were writing the same things were repeating. You had to make a choice. Like you can't just keep going around on repeat. Yeah, that's right. And um, I think think also it's a real skill to be able to tune into the intuition, but then also to decide whether to follow it or not because we are – we are free, or I like to think that we are free. And so, yes, you might have an intuition, but just feel, actually, I can't do that. I can't do that right mm. now. And that's also important to be able to acknowledge that you can have an intuition but not be ready. We are free, and let let, our, let yourself be free and be gentle with yourself. That's what I would say, yeah. So do you have a daily practice of, of meditation and journaling that you still do? Is that... I've, it's funny, I've only just started journaling again after years of not doing it. Um, but, yeah, meditation, as I say, on and off for about 20, 20 years, morning and evening. Um, sometimes where you know, I've had months where I haven't done it, but then again where I'm back into it. Yeah, but actually, you know, I, I think it's really important, um, an important point with meditation because I teach meditation in groups as well. Um We've sort of pulled meditation out of its historical, cultural, religious setting um, framework and just plonked it into the Western world and the Western way of life and said, okay, everybody just meditate and you'll feel better. And I think that can be a bit dangerous because anyone who's ever done any meditation will tell you, you've probably done it yourself, is that when you actually begin to get still or try to get still, you realise you're actually like stirring the stirring the sediment up at the bottom of the glass, which the Buddhists talk about. You know, um, meditation's really sitting there and seeing what's there and stirring it up, and so that can have really negative um, side effects. And so there needs to be sort of uh, a form to things. I think that's the important thing. In the past, it would have been your your religion if you were you know a Buddhist or a, a monk in the temple or a, a monk in the Christian sense. You would have had all the structures around you that sort of held you because the purpose of meditation is actually spiritual awakening. And that's not a comfortable, necessarily a comfortable, happy, nice thing. It can be a very distressing thing. It can even lead to mental illness if people aren't careful. So that's where I teach um, some specific exercises that go along with meditation to really strengthen our 
our thinking for a start so that we can think really clearly and logically and still be really practical in the world um, and also to work, work on our feeling life so that we're not, you know, work on not being up and down all the time, that kind of thing, the equanimity in the feeling life and also exercises around strengthening the will so that our will force uh, comes out of what we choose and not is not just driven by our desires and passions or or even driven by what society thinks we should do, but that our will really comes from us and what we think is the right thing for us to do in a situation. That, that's that freedom again. And I, I take pretty much all those exercises I do are come out of the work of Rudolf Steiner because he, he gave a spiritual path, I think, that suits the modern world because it's it doesn't take long. It strengthens our thinking, our feeling, life and our and our will forces and makes us really practical social beings. And I think that's that's the most important thing. Relationships come in so many forms and just be handling them and um, it's it's challenging. <laughs> Rewarding it is and challenging. It is. The the most beautiful things in life happen in relationship to other people and the most horrible things happen in relation to other people and ourselves you know it's it's everything it's got every everything it's got everything in there it's a great it's like a great movie you know it's got everything in there relationships <laughs> it's about how do i interact when i go to the supermarket today and you know am i just completely self-obsessed and, and thinking just about getting my stuff and getting out of there or do i actually acknowledge that person who's on the other side of the desk in Aldi or whatever. It's amazing you say that because I've been having, I've been having real supermarket challenges. <laughs> and, and the other day I, w I was, <laughs> it always comes up because the German Kasser is like the ultimate, the ultimate hub of, of human in interaction. And it, it makes me anxious. And um, I've, <laughs> I've tried so so many different methods to um to deal with it. One method being block it out totally. So go in with headphones, um, and then I thought, okay, it's it's the cheaper line of supermarkets where some of the more um more stressful incidents happen at the casa because it's based on emotional buying and everything's cheap. Whereas if you go to the higher end supermarket, it's a bit calmer. But actually, now I've realised every every German cash out is. <laughs> really challenging to navigate and the, the other day it was just like um the guy in front of me he bought 10 vouchers cards and he wanted to use 10 different receipts so i had to just be patient obviously you know that was taking a long time but then the elder lady after him then had to discuss with the woman about what happened with the guy with the the vouchers and I was like we don't need to analyze we don't need to analyze what just happened we all just want to get moving as a result of that the woman behind me started getting really stressed like physically and making grunting sounds and I was kind of so I was <laughs> I was I get I get it from all angles at the supermarket and I don't I just breathe I just try and try and uh <laughs> not let it let it but to me it's the ultimate little um microcosm of, of trying to navigate this world. I think that's why it's a very heightened experience for <laughs> me. 
Yeah, Have sure. you got any tips, Mick? <laughs> well, great, great example. Yeah, great, <laughs> great example. You know, especially difficult with these cultural differences, isn't it? You know, I know myself, an Aussie living in, who lived in Germany. It's these cultural differences. You know, we like to talk about how we're all one and, and <laughs> all humans are the same on some, and we are definitely, of course, on some level. But we actually culturally are so different in so many ways that. These little interactions can be really, really painful, actually. So, yeah, look, one tip that I do give is a little exercise. It's simple, easy to do. And, you know, you've got one side of it, which is, if I can use your expression there, you said, I try to remain calm and I try to be patient and I try to not let it get to me, that kind of stuff. And that's and that's the first step is actually being aware that, you know, I'm sort of um, in my emotion, emotional life at that point. I'm a little bit out of control. I can't sort of control it. And I'm stressed and I'm anxious and there's people behind me who are stressed and anxious. Someone in front of me is holding things up and it's a very uncomfortable situation. And a great example because this is real life, isn't it? This is, this is our lives. These daily things that happen are, are real. They affect us inside. They affect our bodies. They affect our emotions, our thoughts, they're real. And so not to discount them, but to, in a way, use them as uh, points of growth. So what I recommend is, you know, because we can fall into this thing of thinking, well, you know, I tried to stay calm, but I didn't, and then you beat yourself up, or, you know, and I've just read, you know, I've just read Power of Now, so I really should be just living in the moment, and the pain body shouldn't be influencing me right now, you know, all that stuff, and you can make yourself feel... I'm so far from being an evolved human being, etc. But I think what the key is is actually that prevention's better than cure. And what we need to do is actually rehearse these situations that we find stressful. So, for example, I don't know if you know about how sport, um, you know, athletes and sports professionals, someone will be a 100-metre sprinter or something and they'll say, you know, they'll have won the Olympic gold medal. And I can't remember who it was, but one of them said, I've won that, I've already won that race a thousand times in my mind. You, you know this concept? Mm, yeah. So they've, they've rehearsed, they've practised, they've rehearsed over and over again this thing. Now, we can do that with these difficult situations in our life. They're, they're almost like sports events. <laughs> you can do, it's a good little analogy. Treat them like a sport event when you go to a supermarket. It is, actually. And you can rehearse it beforehand. So... Just pick an example of where that happened, where you emotionally got out of control. Um, I don't mean out of control like you lost the plot, but, you know, where you didn't feel in, in control of yourself. And take that incident. Maybe A good time to do it is sort of just before bed or, you know, maybe half an hour before bed. And make, close your eyes, make a mental picture of the incident and try and make it as clear as you can. So see the people that were there, see yourself in the picture. So you've got to be looking at it objectively you're in the picture and run the events through you know what was said what happened the sights the smells make it as clear as possible if you can this is a bit tricky but you go backwards you run it backwards that's that's another, another level and come see if you can come to the point where you realized you were your emotions were getting beyond you sort of thing and then it's just a matter of noticing. It's not saying that was wrong, that was right, or judging it in any way. You want to be as objective as possible and just watch it. 
And when you feel yourself getting pulled into it emotionally, getting pulled into the little movie that you're making in your mind, then just try and bring yourself back out of it again. And just even doing this for a couple of minutes, what you'll notice is, or what I've noticed, and other people I've helped with this, is that the next time that situation comes up, you're able to just see it coming almost, see the emotions coming, and be much more aware of what's going on and and something in us finds a new way to be in that situation because we've looked at it before, because we've seen it before and we've practiced it. And so what you're doing when you're practicing that objectivity, looking at yourself in that situation, is you're practicing being uh, objective about it. And you're even seeing yourself as another one of the people that are involved, not as me who has to put up with all this rubbish or whatever it is. So just that awareness exercise I've found can be really powerful. That's quite cool. I'm definitely going to try it. It's almost like reverse manifesting in a way in terms of what's gone on and, and almost reprocessing it in a way, in an objective way, as you've said, and then noticing what happened in that event so that next time you're, you're better equipped. That, that's a really good way to put it, Ma- reverse manifesting. I never thought of that. Before. You <laughs> said spiritual supermarkets, re- reverse <laughs> manifesting. These terms are awesome. <laughs> but, that's a, make a course out of it. <laughs> reverse manifesting. <laughs> I could go, I could honestly go on for four hours. I could go for four hours just about the supermarket. I've got more stories. But it is it is actually important, as you say, because it reflects just dealing with this daily stuff that we have to deal with. Like I was saying before, this is real life. And that experience, then, you know, you have that experience in the supermarket. I'm, I'm just making this up. But then you run into a friend and you're a little bit sort of maybe not as friendly as you would have been or the next interaction, it affects everything else for the rest of the day, like you said, and it affects every other relationship. So it's important to give those things a little bit of space and time, you know, to actually devote a little bit of time going over that experience and thinking, you know, what what actually happened there? And again, non-judgmentally, I think um, a, a female priest who I know, um, talked about this stuff a lot and she said um, say to yourself so it was you know this can work because this exercise can work even when you're the person that's caused the problem you know let's say I shouted at my son or something not unheard of I have to say I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> you know um, you know something's going on I just lose it a bit you know and um to look when you do this exercise reviewing situations to, to look at it objectively and say so it was in a non-judgmental way so that you can you know deal with it objectively the next time hopefully and you know the important thing about these exercises as well is it's not sort of do it once and that fixes it kind of thing it's a just a couple of minutes each day over over months or weeks and owning what's yours and this exercise that I mentioned helps because you can go over it. Otherwise, we just sort of let it's gone and then we we just find next time we're in the supermarket and it's the same or whatever. So it's like giving it, giving it that little bit of space. But, um, you know, some spiritual teachers and some, some people say it's all yours. It's all ours. 
I don't mean I don't mean yours right now. <laughs> it's all mine. So that actually whatever is going on there, I have no control over that. That's someone else's business. But my reaction to that, that's where I have the control. That's what some people say. Other people say it's a mix and you need the mix, actually. You need to have a, have some sort of reaction to what's going on over there because if something diabolical is going on over there and someone's being harmed, then it's a we want to keep that good human reaction that, that wants to go and stop what's going on over there, you know. Someone's being beaten up or whatever. Then if we just, well, I'm cool because my emotions are all cool, then, you know, that's not necessarily a positive thing. Someone talked to me about um, having a kind of righteous indignation when they see racism occurring, for example. Now, that's not necessarily a negative thing to have that rise up in us. If it leads, it's then how we control it. You know, how mm. do we work with it? Do we lash out and start beating up someone else? <laughs> or do we then become really mean to whoever's nearby or whatever? So it's not necessarily about... It's definitely not about getting rid of feelings. It's more about being able to give them a container. Maybe it's a good way to, to look at it. Having the, the clarity in the moment as well, to react in a way that you you see fit. And, yeah, like you say, not be pa- not be passive and just be like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to withstand all this stuff and not react and not let it affect. No, it's I'm going to make very conscious choices yes. with how I deal with this stuff that's 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 the perfect that's exactly right because it's again comes back to this human freedom this yes that's going on from the outside something bad's happening there there's also bad stuff happening in here i want to actually punch the guy that said that or there's you know stuff coming from different directions stuff coming out of my past about how society says i should react in that situation and then getting the clarity and the objectivity to be able to say, yes, but what's the right thing out of myself to do the right thing that I think's the correct way to, to do? Really out of myself, not out of some religious background or family background or society background, but actually what's the right thing out of my own will? I've always found when you step into a territory that's a little bit uncomfortable, I, honest, like being truly honest um, in a way in terms of what you what you're lacking or what you need or what, you know, and, and if you step into that discomfort, it's always proven to be very rewarding when you just communicate what's bugging you because a danger that can happen is when resentment about things just build. And if somebody's carrying a continual resentment, that resentment plays out in other ways and it's not actually the core of, of the problem. They're carrying a built-up resentment from things and that's, playing out in something else that causes people to have some sort of friction about the thing, but it's not the thing, it's the resentment of, you know, I'm trying not to let any resentment be there. And the only way I find to do that is to be re- really honest. And that's not comfortable sometimes. That's exactly right. I think you've really hit the nail on the head there because there's one thing I talk about is that there's almost two types of comfort. There's, the comfort, where, which is an avoiding comfort, you know, I'm avoiding saying what's really going on for me right now. I'm avoiding saying the truth. I'm avoiding saying what's what's bothering me. 
that's and there's a kind of comfort in that because we can keep keep everything cruisy. We think we're keeping it cruisy, actually we're not. But then there's a, a new level of comfort which comes when we break through and actually tell the truth about that thing or say what was bothering us. And we come to actually a new level of comfort and it's beyond comfort. It's it's enlivening. It's a kind of a it's a peace, actually. But it's a it's an enlivening peace. It's not a dead fall asleep in bed kind of peace. It's a an enlivening thing. And um, you know, you said as well, you're no expert, and I think that's an interesting little phrase that maybe you can even um, ponder yourself if you want to. But you are actually an expert in your own relationships. Each person is, and that's where where I'm coming from is not me saying I'm the expert and I'm going to tell you what's what and I'm going to fix this. It's not it's not that at all. It's helping the people to see that they are actually the experts on their own life and can I help them to see that that's true <laughs> because people actually really, we all sort of, we all really know what we need to do to move, to improve things. Mm. So we, we, we pretty much know. So in your, in your, in your current work, do you, you, offer to deal with people together or individually, whatever they choose, whatever, you know, both. If, if, it is a, if it is a couple, they can have a session together or separately or... Actually, I, I offer both and people can come to me as a couple or as individuals. But I must say the majority come as individuals and I, and I think in a way because what actually the very first thing we said, it's interesting that we've come back to this, but it's actually about the individual facing themselves, working on themselves. That is the key. And even if, the, because you can't make another person do that. You can't force another person, well, you can try, but good luck. <laughs> it, it, it just creates more resentment. The person wants to push them away. So actually, yeah, more often than not, it's one person coming and... That's all it takes is one person actually. The self-work is what is going to address the fundamental stuff for you to be able to function um, in a fulfilling relationship. Yeah, that's right. And actually what, what then tends to happen is that one person starts to change. They start to behave a little differently. Maybe they become a bit more patient in a situation where they've normally lost their temper or they don't say that critical thing that they normally say. So it's the self-awareness thing. And then that shifts something deeply in the other person. They don't quite know, but they something in them says something's different here. And that can actually be really confronting for them. And in the short term, it can actually cause a distancing. Mm. But eventually the other person usually, I can't promise anything, but they come to the place where they realise they have to sort of step up as well or it's not going to work. So, but, but to, start with the, to start with one person telling the other person that they need to change or anything like that, you know, it just, it's just never, never works. But having said that, real, I think real miracles can occur from, one, from just one side but also when the two people are both committed to working on something, it's much, much easier. That's, that's, the, that's the key. 
it must be very fulfilling for you personally to be helping helping others. Very, 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 very much so. Yeah, and uh, I mean that's why why I'm doing it. I, I feel like I just love doing it, and I feel that just through my life experience, I'm able to show people a different way to look at a situation sometimes and that's it's again it's not me being a, any kind of expert it's it's them being the expert but me just being able to show them something maybe they couldn't see that that's already there and you know i think when people come together that love that's there in the beginning that that we really feel intensely in a really intense way in the beginning it's it never really goes away it just changes form and when it changes form, it takes it takes courage and and really the will to develop, the will to grow, to find where it is again, to find the new. You know, it wouldn't be any good if it just stayed like it was. Nature's got it set up perfectly. If it stayed like it was, you wouldn't go to work, you wouldn't eat, you wouldn't sleep. Because <laughs> that crazy passion that takes over in the beginning, which is beautiful and wonderful but it's not very practical and humanity wouldn't have survived if that stayed around so we have to go to this next stage but the the beautiful thing is that if we do and we choose to go that way that what was there in the beginning comes back in a new sort of transformed way and it's much much deeper much more beautiful and much more intimate and, and much and even more passionate in a way but it's it's real because in the beginning, in a way, we were strangers. You know, it's a stranger that you you didn't really know one another. Um, sorry, I'm not talking about you or me. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> all of us. Of course. Yes. Yeah, so this so there's this real growth that takes place, but the the magic, the I think it's the most wonderful thing in the world is that. It can go to a whole new level, a whole new level. That's really exciting. I think the key to begin to do that is to have the concept of, of what a marriage or a relationship is about, that it's not just about my own happiness right now and or their own happiness. It's much, much bigger than that. And I think having that concept of the two people being the smallest community and that when it when they're really working at it, um, the good, the good stuff can flow out into the wider world. That concept in itself can can start to shift things. So, where can people find you? So, I've got a website which is called um, relationshipevolution.co, and so yeah, www. Do we need to say that anymore? I don't know. Relationshipevolution.co, um, and they can go on there and they can actually get a free initial session with me where we just get really clear on what's happening in the relationship and it doesn't have to be often it's people in a crisis or where they've broken up or someone's had an affair even or really or separated and they they want their partner back it can be as simple as that but it can also be just people who just want to go to a new level i know we hear that a lot in the personal development world but just the relationships got to a sort of a ho-hum kind of stage and they want to go to a new level and they believe that's possible. That's that's also people that I work with. Um, so I do a, a free session and you can do that by just going onto the, the website and clicking on there and just putting your email address in. 
Um, or you can just email me directly, which is um, mick at relationshipevolution.co. Cool. It's a cool name. But now I've really I've learned a lot today, and I'm sure the listeners have got stuff to it. <laughs> well, thanks very much, Danny. It's been great to yeah to reconnect on a on a personal level and have this this really um, great conversation. I mean, I, I say as well, I learned I learned heaps as well because you know it's that thing of the other person bringing stuff. You know, I didn't know what I was going to say today. I didn't know what was going to come out, and your questions and your way of being. Has, has brought that side of me out, you know, in this relationship. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's a perfect example of, of it. And, and it's even, you know, the beauty of modern tech, it's, a, it's, a, it's essentially a, a connection through through the computer, but we can still do this in this, this realm, which is pretty cool. So. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? It's so, it's amazing. Yeah, so thank you. Pleasure, thank you very much. Welcome back, guys. I hope you enjoyed those insights from Mick. What a legend. Like he said, we're all experts in our own way from our own experiences. But if you or your partner are struggling in some way, definitely hit him up at relationshipevolution.co. He's your man. Thank you so much for listening. I'm always so grateful to have your ears. And please feel free to connect with me on Instagram at Danny Lion Fury or on my email at lionfurypodcast at gmail.com. Till next time, catch you later.